Hi there, and welcome to the Kingdom Sexuality Podcast. We're Alana, Paris, and Kyle, friends who have a heart for intimacy and long to uncover God's truth and design for sexual freedom within marriage. On our podcast, we weekly discuss topics that are typically left in the shadows, and we do our best to shine God's light and love onto them. Welcome here. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Kingdom Sexuality Podcast. I am your host today, Kyle, and today we have a very special guest. We have with us Dr. Cameron Staley to talk about his new porn recovery programs, the Life After Pornography online program, and the Life After Pornography coaching app. Dr. Staley, welcome to the show. Thanks, Kyle. It's great to be with you. I'm looking forward to our chat. Yeah, this should be good. So just uh, so everyone knows who Dr. Staley is and that he's uh, well and more than qualified to be talking to us about this today. He is currently a psychologist at Idaho State University. He also earned his PhD from Idaho State University. He is a pornography researcher, board certified in biofeedback, and of course, the creator of Life After Pornography programs. Dr. Staley, why don't you share a little bit about yourself and kind of how you ended up where you are today? Yeah, it's always fun to retrace the steps and figure out how I got to this place. So I've been a psychologist for about 10 years now. And when I entered graduate school, I was really hoping to work with couples and relationship issues and sexual health. And my mentor said, hey, you need to come up with a topic for your thesis, your dissertation. And I didn't really know what I wanted to study, um, but I was actually sitting in church one Sunday and they were talking about the evils of pornography and how addicting it was and how it impacts relationships. And it wasn't until that moment that I had thought about, you know, I wonder what the research says about pornography. Like I'd heard those messages all my life um, and have similar views from a kind of a moral standpoint, but I was trained to become a scientist and a psychologist and decided to look at the research. And this was probably about 15 years ago now. And I was surprised when I looked at the literature on pornography and whether or not it was an addiction, I couldn't find a single experimental study demonstrating that pornography functioned like an addiction, like other substances. Wow. And I thought, well, this is really strange because like everybody knows this is an addiction. Like that's how we talk about it. That's how we treat it. And so we decided to do the research ourselves And I really thought we'd be the first lab to show that pornography was an addiction, just like other substances. And that's not what we found. So when we brought people in the lab, we monitored their brain activity using EEG, and we showed them different types of images, including sexual films, and their brain activity looked really different from those that struggled with substance use. Um, So we didn't find evidence for an addiction, but what we did find is those that struggled with porn experienced more negative emotions while they were viewing. And so there was more distress or anxiety or shame or guilt. And that was really helpful to know um, because that might fit a compulsive pattern a little bit better. And we already have really good treatments for compulsive behaviors. And so that was a helpful finding. The research or the, the media gets a hold of our research and they say, oh, researchers disprove sex addiction. And Dr. Phil gives us a call to come on the show. And it's like, no, that's not what we did. Um, This was one study in in Idaho. Um, It's a small study. You don't prove or disprove anything in research. 
We just didn't yeah. find evidence to support an eviction model, but we found really, really meaningful results that emotions are playing a big role. Uh, but that's not sexy enough for the media. Um, but really, it's a valuable thing to target when you're struggling with compulsive behavior. Right. So how big was your study? So we recruited, I think, 55 participants who had been struggling with pornography that had a range of concerns that were viewing hours a day. Um, and so we had a, a decent sample for that study. And of course, it's just one study. So it needs to be replicated many times. Uh, that was a start. There weren't any other neurological studies at that point trying to answer this question if pornography is functioning like an addiction neurologically like other substance use. Right. So since then, have you seen other studies or what has the research been showing since then? Yeah, this has been amazing. So there was a review of the literature on sex addiction and pornography addiction over the last 25 years. And this review came out within the last year or so. And there's been maybe four to 500 studies in the last 25 years. Most of those studies have been trying to answer whether or not sex addiction is a thing or if pornography functions like an addiction. And in those reviews, you find some studies say, yeah, we see some evidence that it's pretty similar. Other studies say, no, we really don't. There's some differences there. And so that question, they're still trying to resolve that. But the part that's amazing to me is over the last 25 years, there's been a total of less than 10 studies looking at what treatments are effective for sexual addiction or struggles with porn. And so when you look at specifically folks that struggle with porn, um, there's less than five studies as far as treatments wow. that are effective in the last 25 years. Wow. And so for me, that's a more important question than is this an addiction or not? It's like, actually, what treatments are effective? And so when we yeah. look at that, that's where my focus is, is like, how do we help people who are struggling? If, if we call it an addiction or a compulsion or something different, people are clearly struggling. How do we help them? And so what we found is there's a treatment called acceptance and commitment therapy or ACT that's been around for about 40 years now, has over 800 randomized clinical trials. And it is an evidence-based treatment for a variety of mental health concerns from depression and anxiety to trauma to eating disorders. It's also a treatment for OCD and compulsive related behaviors. And so researchers within the last five or six years said, hey, let's try this approach for unwanted pornography concerns. And they found that folks that struggle with porn for years and years were able to re reduce their viewing by over 90% within a matter of about 12 weeks. Um, so wow, that's, that's amazing. The approach we have, yeah, that has the best research studies available. And so it doesn't have to be a lifelong kind of struggle with the right principles and direction. People are able to move past this much quicker. And that's the exciting news. That's actually a pretty recent development. So it's not that well known that, yeah, I actually have a research supported treatment now for unwanted pornography viewing. Wow, that's really cool. Because it's often that you see, you know, you'll see a counselor come up with a program or you'll see like a pastor come up with a program. But it's interesting to see someone who's a psychologist and a researcher who's done his own research and knows about the research and then come up with this program. So that's that's really cool. Yeah. Um, so give us a brief overview of exactly how your program works and how ACT is integrated into that and what exactly ACT is. Yeah, so ACT 
is a mindfulness-based treatment that is targeting really the underlying mechanisms behind all mental health concerns. And so it's really amazing to think about. We have all these different diagnoses that we talk about, but the things that underlie those are relatively similar. And a lot of that has to do with how our mind's set up. So we've got this problem-solving mind that tries to get rid of uncomfortable emotions and get rid of distress and get rid of urges and any discomfort. And that's kind of our mind's mission. It's like, if I could get rid of all that distress, then I'd be happy and I can live this life that I want. And so ACT really takes a different approach where we could start to observe that's really our mind's agenda. And sometimes the more we try to get rid of anxiety, the more anxious we feel, or the more we try to control sexual urges, the more out of control that they become, or the less we try to feel depressed, the more depressed we feel. So another approach is instead of trying to focus on things we don't want, let's start to pursue our values and focus on things that we do care about. Let's focus on nurturing those relationships and pursuing our education or training or careers, um, engaging in our faith or um, other recreation or activities. And what we've learned is whatever we focus on tends to grow. So if we're focusing on things we don't want, they often get bigger. But if we focus on things we do want, those tend to grow as well. So that's kind of the main approach. And how this applies to compulsive sexual behaviors is we found, and this is in the last few years, that folks that struggle with compulsive sexual behaviors tend to be a little bit lower on levels of mindfulness, which mm. just means kind of less aware of emotions. And when those emotions do up, or do show up, they're more kind of judgmental or critical of those. And so right. when you break down the root of emotions, it just means to put in motion. And so emotions yeah. are organizing us for action. But if we're not aware of those, and we're not aware that we're stressed or sad or lonely or overwhelmed or bored, our problem-solving mind's like, something's going on there. I don't want it. Like, let's get away from it as fast as we can. And one way people do that is look at sexual images and masturbate. It right. allows you to escape that discomfort. But then often for a lot of people that have moral beliefs that that's unhealthy or sinful, it brings up a lot of feelings of shame and guilt. And we tend to withdraw. Then your mind's like, oh, no, you're feeling bad again. Why don't you go view sexual images to feel better? It's like, yeah, I did feel better temporarily. Then those emotions come up again. And that's kind of that mm -hmm. compulsive pattern. And so ACT is really about let's increase our awareness of emotions. Because typically an emotion precedes an urge to view pornography. And if mm. we can start to understand those emotions, we can start to meet those emotional needs instead of trying to get rid of those or suppress those or move away from them. And when we start to notice urges, we have the ability to, to disobey those. And so urges aren't necessarily the problem. It's the lack of awareness of them and that discomfort around emotions that tends to lead to more problematic pornography viewing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard it said before that in order to get rid of one thing, you've got to replace it with something better. And it sounds like that's kind of a little bit of what you're talking about there. Like if we want to get rid of you know, a pornography addiction, we got to focus on other, we got to replace that with other things that we like more than the pornography. And I think it is, that's very true that things that matter, things that we really care about. And that's challenging to do uh, because I think the draw for pornography is it's a way to get some connection. It's a way to escape discomfort. 
that doesn't require a lot of effort. It doesn't require any vulnerability. But when you're truly opening up to friends or family or partners, there's that fear of rejection and that is scary and intimidating. But that's a lot more sustainable and meaningful. Um, but there's risks there and that can be pretty intimidating sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. And then even if it's, you know, within a marriage, the destruction that it can bring there. And like you talked about earlier with the emotions, you've got to think the emotions of the receiver of this addiction as well, right? And the impacts that it has on on the partner. And those are a lot of conversations I have with people is, you know, how does this impact relationships and other people? And I've seen a lot of folks get stuck when you consider a struggle with pornography a sexual concern. Um, that can seem a lot scarier for people or feel like a betrayal or infidelity. If we look at a struggle with pornography more as an ineffective strategy to cope with emotions, that actually gives us an avenue to address it and take some of the fear and power out of it. Because that's universal. All of us have emotions. And sometimes we deal with those in healthy ways and sometimes we don't. Yeah. And so some of us turn to snacking or scrolling through social media or looking at sexual images or drinking or shopping. Really, the function of all those behaviors are pretty similar. It's to move away from distress. Right. And so we start to look at that as like, oh, like we all do this. How can we support each other to develop healthier coping strategies? It can bring us together. But when we view this as this is a really scary addiction that might get worse, that evokes a lot of fear and a lot of uncertainty. And it's probably going to increase the likelihood that we keep turning to porn to cope with those emotions. But if we look at it more as, oh, this is just an unhelpful coping strategy for emotions, let's focus on that. Um, we can have a more of a sense of hope and direction to navigate this. Yeah, I remember listeners of the show will know that this is a big part of my story and my journey. And uh, I remember when I was going through first part of my recovery, they had this acronym and they called it HALTS. And it was exactly what you're talking about with the emotions. They said uh, HALT stands for hunger, anxiety, loneliness, tiredness, and stress. And they said, you know, a lot of times one of those five emotions precedes your viewing of pornography because you're looking to fulfill or to counteract that emotion. Absolutely. And I think so many of us think we're, we're, like, we're a machine. Like yeah. we can keep going nonstop and we can get all these things accomplished, but we get worn down. We get tired. We get overwhelmed. And our mind just saying, oh my gosh, you're distressed. How can we help you feel better in this moment? Uh, but our mind doesn't really care about long-term implications or your values or relationships. All it knows is you're not feeling good. Let's just hit me with that better. dopamine. Yeah. And it does help you feel better in that moment, but it totally. just is not an effective long-term solution. No, absolutely. I wanted to go back to your research for a second. Did you see any differences between men and women in the research? Yeah. So that is a really helpful thing to bring up. So I work with a lot of men and women that struggle mm -hmm. with pornography. And so when you look at the underlying reasons why people struggle, it, it's, it's an emotional coping strategy. So women have emotions just like men. And so the women I work with, it's often pretty similar that it's a lot of shame around sexuality and behaviors um, withdrawing from others. Um, there's often individuals that tend to be a little more religious 
um, tend to perceive themselves to be addicted at much higher rates, even though they're not viewing at higher rates. And there's now a lot more research that suggests that folks that struggle with scrupulosity, which is kind of a religious OCD where you have really high moral standards for yourself and any sexual thoughts or urges are really uncomfortable and they feel really distressing and sinful, that that can increase people's struggles with pornography because it can kind of amplify those urges and lead to a lot of distress. And so we found that men and women have those traits of scrupulosity or struggling with sexual shame. And so there wasn't really a tremendous difference across genders. The reason why men seem to struggle at higher rates is men tend to be less aware of emotions than women and are, are socialized not to share those as much. Mm-hmm. And so often women have a stronger social support network where it's more acceptable to share feelings and get some support. But often men are like, nah, you got to like walk it off if you're sad or upset. We can't talk about it. That's weakness. And so if this is revolving around emotions, if we're not comfortable with naming emotions or sharing them, people tend to struggle at, at higher rates with compulsive behaviors. Uh, but the reason why men and women struggle are, are fairly similar, uh, but it's disproportionate. Uh, men definitely seem to struggle at higher rates. And how about in the recovery side of things? Have you noticed a difference in either rate of recovery or ability to recover between the men and the women? I, I would say that the biggest, or I say one of the predictors of kind of overcoming pornography is some of the underlying concerns. So often I think about pornography is more of a symptom and not necessarily the cause of the problem. Yes. And so I often look at pornography as like a cough. Yeah. And it's usually if we're coughing, it's because we have an underlying cold. And sometimes the message is, oh, you've got this porn cough. You need to suppress that and not cough anymore. And then you'll be all better. And it's like if you went to the doctor and he's like, just don't cough this week and you'll be better. It's like, that doesn't make a lot of sense. So usually the cough is actually trying to help us in some way. It's, it's naggy and it doesn't sound very good. But usually if you go to the doctor, he might say, hey, you need some antibiotic. You might need some chicken noodle soup or maybe some rest. And when the cold kind of clears up, the cough kind of goes away. And it's similar to struggles with porn. And so I've seen that a lot of folks that struggle um, may have undiagnosed anxiety disorders or struggle with depression or are on the autism spectrum. That's a really common one that I've experienced. Oh, interesting. Um, where folks, they struggle a little bit more with social connections and emotional awareness. Um, and so pornography is, is a way to get some connection and without kind of the confusing complexity around emotions. And then the other big one I've seen is ADHD. And so folks mm. that struggle with attentional concerns struggle with regulating emotion, which is driving compulsive behaviors, have some impulse control, and sometimes have some conflicted relationships as well. Um, I've also seen others that have trauma in their past or unresolved grief um, or grew up in homes where there was not a lot of support or education around sexuality. Um, Those are often some of the colds that are Mm. underlying this. And I'd say those actually predict the course of overcoming this much more than how much porn are you viewing or how long has it been? It's really, let's talk about the cold. What's underlying this? Mm-hmm. And as you address that, some of those can be resolved sooner than others. Some take a little bit more time. But if we have a little less focus on the cough and a little bit more on what's driving this, that tends to help people move forward and 
And that doesn't seem to be based on gender as much. Oh, that's really cool. I like that. So, uh, Dr. Saley, talk to us a little bit more about your programs exactly and uh, how they how they work. Yeah, for sure. And I appreciate you kind of talking about like, is this addiction or compulsion? <laughs> and the good news is regardless of what we call it, acceptance and commitment therapy is still a research supported treatment. Awesome. And so people are still going to be trying to answer that question. And the reality is that this, it might be a spectrum. Um, there's different reasons why people struggle with pornography. The good news is we have a treatment that's effective. So the programs I put together, I've got an online self-directed program called Life After Pornography that is all based on acceptance and commitment therapy. So it's 10 modules and it would be basically 10 weeks of therapy with me. Um, so it's me sharing the principles and setting up some of the exercises so you can practice these principles in your own life. Um, there's a companion workbook as well, so you can reflect on these exercises. Um, I also interviewed a dozen experts in ACT and sexuality and relationships um, that you can draw from their expertise. And then I added some extra courses if people need a little bit more support on emotional awareness um, or sexual health um, or some of the key principles in ACT, including willingness. Um, so you can get a lot more support. And it's all self-directed, so you can watch all these modules on your phone or on your tablet at home. And I tried to make this as affordable as possible. So it's all less than the cost of a single session. Um, so for under a hundred bucks, um, you can get the research supported treatment for unwanted pornography viewing um, right from the comfort of your own home. And the reason why I started that is I, I led a, a group uh, for folks at the university that were struggling with porn and it was all based on ACT. And at the end of the group, they said, why couldn't we find this online? Like, why didn't we know about this before? We tried so many programs, <laughs> so many 12-step programs. If we would have found this, we would have done it. Where is it? And they challenged me to do more. And I'm like, no, like, I'm good. Just doing therapy in my office. It was kind of scary to branch out and do a TED Talk and do podcasts yeah. and quit these programs. But I asked them to be vulnerable and take risks in their life. And they pushed me um, to put that together. So that's kind of how that came to be. And, and then in the last year, um, I decided to roll out an app version. So we've got the Life After Pornography Coach app that you can get on your Android or iPhone. You just buy it from the, the iTunes store, um, Google store, whatever those stores are. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of a simplified approach for ACT, um, a lot more directive, uh, but it's got interactive tools in there to increase emotional awareness. It's got lots of mindfulness activities. It's got a built-in forum there where you can interact with other folks that are applying these principles. Um, and that one's got a free seven-day trial, and I think it's like 10 bucks a month um, after that. Um, so those are all available just to make these principles as accessible. And, and I've seen a lot of people just from these self-directed approaches get the help they need to move forward in their life. Um, and then others that need additional support, I do offer coaching services if they need a little bit more one-on-one -on -one support. But my hope is people can get a lot of benefit kind of on their own. And then I'm there to support them if they need some additional help. That's fantastic. So is this something that someone would purchase and do? And then are they like usually good or is it something that they continue? Like, does it just change your whole kind of approach to, I don't want to say life, but your approach to situations yeah. or how, how exactly does one, like what I'm trying to get at here is how does one prevent a relapse once they're done the program, let's say. Yeah, and I think you're kind of onto it that 
the acceptance commitment theory pro approach, it, the goal is not necessarily to control urges um, or to eliminate those. In a way, it does change our outlook and it does help us approach emotions and our problem solving mind a little bit differently. And so even though the research says that, hey, most folks are able to reduce their viewing over 90 percent, uh, I think in that research study, about half of the participants weren't viewing at all. Like mm. that completely disappeared, yeah. even though that's not necessarily the, the focus. Um, the focus is on let's start focusing on these values. And the more we live our values, often the need to soothe ourselves from a life without meaning kind of goes away. And so some of those needs to turn to porn kind of go down. And so I, I view mindfulness in the same way I view nutrition or exercise, that it's eating well. You might eat a really healthy breakfast that day, but by afternoon, you're kind of hungry again. <laughs> or you might have a great workout and it's like, that's awesome. But it's like, you're not ready for a marathon. Yeah. And so mindfulness really is a way to live your life differently, where you can be more present and more engaged in your life and your relationships, be more of aware of emotions. And as we slow down, we're able to navigate our life a little bit better. We don't run into, oh, I ran into pornography again. Like, where did this come from? Because <laughs> we're able to recognize that we're stressed or we're tired or we're overwhelmed um, or I need a break. And so as we're more in tune with ourselves, we're less likely to engage in those unhealthy coping strategies. But the mindset is different. So there's still you're still going to have emotions. Yeah. throughout your life. So if we view that as that's what's driving this, the idea of, well, I'll never have an urge to view porn again, um, just isn't realistic. Right. Um, that as you experience the stress, your mind's going to say, hey, I'm going to help you out. You know, why don't you go look at porn? Um, and so what's different is you can recognize that and say, oh, that's really just my mind's attempt to help me feel better. Thanks, mm. mind. Um, so I view our mind like a best friend that's always there for us, but sometimes gives terrible advice. <laughs> and so it can be like, yeah, thank you for recommending porn. Help me feel better. Thank you for noticing I'm overwhelmed. I'm not going to do that. Um, I might go on a walk or, you know, take a breath here or reach out to some people that I care about. Um, but thank you. And so in a way, we kind of let go of this struggle with our mind and with our sexuality and start to have a little bit more compassion and understanding for ourselves as we pursue our values. And so like, Viewing again later on is not seen as a, a relapse or we got to start over. It's viewed as like, oh, here's a learning opportunity. You know, let's, let's slow down a bit. And what happened here? Like I viewed again. Let's check in on ourselves and what we need and kind of reconnect. Maybe our pace of life is a little too quick or we haven't been attending to our emotions or we're kind of getting off track from our values. And so those are viewed as learning opportunities and opportunities for course correction rather than, oh, no, a relapse. What's going on? Um, it's like, oh, yeah, we're human. Like, we have human moments. Um, but the mentality is not perfection or elimination. It's being aware and open and mindful, values-driven. And if we do choose to look at porn again, what can we learn from that and keep it going? Awesome. So if somebody were to get the program, how how long does it usually take someone to get the program? I know you said it was self-directed, but is there like a recommended time frame, or what do you think on time frame there? Yeah, it's so variable. It's, it's been funny to get feedback from folks because I, I, I go on a lot of podcasts and I host the podcast and there's been times people listening to me on a podcast, 
purchase the program. And then I get an email from them a couple months later to say, I actually haven't gone through your program, but I'm not struggling with porn anymore. And it's like, oh, wow. what? <laughs> like, what's happening? And they said, some of the things you share, just not having the fear or the shame and letting go of some of the addiction language and recognizing this is an emotional concern, maybe a little bit more than a sexual concern, kind of gave them the direction they needed to say, I'm going to start opening up with my partner about this and have these conversations. And so for a lot of people, just shifting the framework was enough. Um, I've heard from others that they get halfway through and they're like, man, I've realized that I'm just going to start living my life and focus and the porn concerns kind of dried up. Um, And then others go through the program and then they go through it again. And then they go through the app to get a little bit more rehearsal. And then some folks reach out to me for coaching and need a little bit more support. And so I've seen a huge range and a lot of it is contingent on, again, what's underlying it. Folks that are a little more kind of stuck with the rigidity or some of that scrupulosity that feel a lot of distress around sexuality. Um, sometimes we need a little bit more work there. Um, but I think that's what I appreciate about it. It's a huge range. And, and for, for a lot of people, it's a lot quicker than they think um, when we get this kind of mentality and approach. And when you let go of the shame and the fear, like the need to like soothe yourself from those emotions really goes down. And that urges to look at porn um, go down quite a bit. That's awesome. Anything else you'd like to share with us? Yeah, I think the biggest things is the reason, often the reason why people struggle with pornography is they really care about getting it, their sexuality right. Mm. And they care about their relationships and often their religious beliefs are really important. And then when they struggle with porn, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense where it's like, I don't want to be doing this and this doesn't feel moral to me and I don't want to hurt anybody. Why am I doing this? And my experience has been that a lot of the folks who struggle with pornography are some of the kindest um, people I've ever met that have Mm. such good hearts and souls and are striving to do the right thing and and to be obedient and be caring and loving. And sometimes those are some of the ingredients of why somebody struggles is because they're trying so hard. And I've seen that often people forget that and often they feel really down about themselves and feel like, what is so wrong with me and broken and deviant? Um, but often at the core is a really, really good person. And that's why I feel pretty passionate about this is I want to help people overcome their porn, but I want them to truly identify and see themselves as they truly are, not as an addict, um, but as a good human or a good disciple or a good um, husband or wife or parent um, or companion And yeah, it's just so easy to vilify folks that struggle with porn, but there's usually lots of reasons why folks struggle and they're absolutely some of the best folks that I've ever met. Yeah. And it can be really easy to vilify yourself too. I remember the shame can be so overwhelming. Absolutely. And that's really our mind's attempt to motivate us. It uses judgment and criticalness to say, Hey, if I yell at you enough, maybe you'll change your behavior. (laughs) (laughs) It's trying to motivate us. It just is an ineffective strategy. Right. But you're right. That's why people tend to get stuck a lot over time. Awesome. All right. Um, We are going to be partnering with Dr. Staley and Life After Porn, and we're going to be doing a giveaway on Instagram. So if you're not following us, uh, give us a follow at Kingdom Sexuality. And Dr. Staley, where can the listeners find you? Yeah, they can follow me on the Life After series or search for Dr. Cameron Staley. I'm on Instagram and Facebook and have a YouTube channel. 
And there's lots of free videos and trainings out there. Um, but yeah, if you want to follow the Life After series as well, and I'll share a post from the Kingdom Sexuality. So if you like my page and, and comment on that post, I'll be giving away a Life After Pornography subscription that includes all of the, the bonus mini courses as well. Um, so with those bonus mini courses, it's probably around $150. And so I'll be giving one of those programs away to one of those folks that listen to this episode and likes and follows us and shares a comment on the Life After Series Instagram. Awesome. Thank you so much. Someone's definitely going to be blessed by that. All right, Dr. Staley, thank you so much for being with us today. And uh, we look forward to doing the giveaway with you. Awesome. Thanks, Kyle. Appreciate the chat. Hey friends, thank you so much for hanging with us today as we dive deeper into meaningful, godly intimacy, tackle the hard questions, and embrace truth while we're at it. We're also on Instagram. You can find our handle in the show notes alongside any resource links we mentioned in the show. As always, our hearts are to cultivate deep community and freedom with you guys. We are so honored to walk this journey alongside you. We'll see you in the next episode.